Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Michael Chakraverty. And I'm Mark Watson. And this is the Mankind Podcast. We're going to take a deep dive into masculinity, exploring what being a man actually means, along with a variety of brilliant guests. You know, men talking about men is a notoriously underrepresented area of podcasting. Not anymore. So, as you might have noticed from the title of this episode, it is not James McVeigh today. Yes, it took us just two episodes of our precious new project before we made a major administrative error, which was... We just got a bit excited, really. We got overexcited, but the audio is not quite ready. So we do have James McVeigh, we're not bluffing, but he's not in this episode because me and Michael made the oldest mistake in the book. Which is to introduce the wrong guest. (laughs) However, we do have Travis Alabanza, and they are absolutely fantastic, and this interview is really interesting, despite... The fact that I'm slagged off quite a bit at the start of it. I think this is a good chat, yeah, and I reckon, I'm confident this is right. What would be bad is if we say this and it still isn't even Travis, if it's someone else again, then it starts to look bad. Please put in Travis now, producers. In about 20 seconds, you should hear Travis Salapanza talking to us. Let's go. So if you listen to this podcast, you'll know that our intros are often quite laboured. Me and Michael sort of get in each other's way for a bit and then the guest eventually comes on. So we've streamlined it. Now Michael's not even in the process. It's just going to be me, Mark Watson, the brains of the podcast. And I'm very happy today to welcome Travis Alabanza. Hello, Travis. Hi. We're very grateful to have you on. We'd like to start by asking the guest sort of to introduce themselves and say what they, either what they do or who they think they are or anything about themselves, really. Wow, what an existential question for a Saturday morning. Sometimes people break down at this point, I won't lie to you. I'm Travis Alabanza. I'm, uh, depending on where, I'm a performer, I make theatre, I write, I chat about stuff online. And since this COVID has happened, I've learned I'm a very professional and competitive articulate player. That's what I'm now becoming. That's what I'm retraining as. I'm not very good at art- oh, Hello, I'm here also. I don't think I've spoken yet, which I is unusual. I thought I might get through an episode without you, but fair <laughs> enough. Uh, how are we with Articulate? Like, where did we go wrong? There's definitely some anger management issues that right. I'm working through in it. But I would say it's all about the partner. You know, I've played with a few different people now and it's do you vibe under the same stress management, you know? So Articulate is a game where you have to describe something but not using certain keywords, is that right? So you have to describe yellow without saying yellow. Yeah, and then like also it's the game whilst whilst you're doing that you simultaneously try and lose as many friendships as possible <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, a lot of games are like that, aren't they? I find. <laughs> See, I have a problem where I, I'm not particularly competitive and that makes people around me very cross because I genuinely couldn't care less. <laughs> I'm more like Travis. If I played Articulate, I am looking to win, yeah. honestly. Or should I say I'm looking to conquer, vanquish, triumph, Classic succeed. S- straight ah! white man, isn't he? Honestly, Travis. Oh my God, I want to play with you. Me too, me too. <laughs> well, we're both from Bristol as well, so maybe uh, we, we don't know what Christmas is going to be like, but if we can at some point 
get an articulate game in and just destroy the rest of the field. Yeah, sure. My Christmases have been so boring recently, so I could just absolutely introduce a white man. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time you had a... A white man at Christmas. Can you bring the seasoning, please? <laughs> Hashtag white man at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favourite seasoning, Mark? My favourite seasoning? Yeah. I mean, st- I... I can only think of stuffing, and I don't think that's right. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Literally <laughs> proving the point there, Mark. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, on we go with a bit of chat. <laughs> so we always start with a similar question. We kind of kicked us off talking about masculinity and what it means and where all that comes from. It is, growing up, when do you first remember being presented with an idea of what masculinity or being a man was? I was trying to think about this this morning because I was like, oh, there's no like warm up questions. They go straight in. And like, no, we do. We're we are brutal questioners. Yeah, that's just who we are. Yeah, you, you, well, that's just who me and Michael are. It makes sense for a programme about masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, and it was really hard for me to figure it out, but I think that my first encounter with like what it means to be masculine or the idea of masculinity is always through me failing at it rather than mm. like an example of it. Like I think about. Um, I think about, it's so cliche, but PE being younger and like having to do physical education. Um, And I was actually okay at it. Like I was not bad at sport, but I remember that the way I used gestures when I scored points was being punished. Right. So like we would play like, um, I guess it was rounders or whatever, the one with the bat and the ball. And after I ran around the whole thing, which is like a task, I would like cheer really like expressively with my hands in the air, you know, do like a real, you know, low key high fag kind of like I've finally screamed a point. Yeah. You scored a rounder, you've got every right to celebrate. Exactly. That's the whole point of the game. Exactly. And I remember that it, I think looking at how I was then responded to, like I just want a point for my whole team. But then the whole focus wasn't that I won the point, was that I was being punished for how I celebrated winning that point. Mm. And I think obviously I wasn't young enough to like look at the gender theory of that. But um, I was definitely young enough to know like, oh, shit, something that I do needs to be altered Mm. in order to not be punished. And I think that's what masculinity has always been to me. Interesting. And have you ever altered who you are in order to not be punished? Oh my God, of course. Yeah, I mean, like, so I guess this is a podcast that people can't see me, but like, you know, I'm a gender non-conforming person with a beard coming through in a dress and I grew up on a council estate. And so like, you had to alter so many parts of yourself to survive. Mm. You know, I think that's how, if I'm honest, masculinity works is by like, I think that so many people that are either forcibly ascribed masculinity onto themselves or people that are willingly choosing to be a man, which I can't relate, but um, (laughs) are having to constantly decide, you know, how much of their full selves they can show in order to not be punished. I genuinely believe that, you know, I think when we go outside and we're seeing all these people perform a version of themselves, that's so that they are not punished for being more complex. So when you were performing a version of yourself that wasn't yourself, when you were trying to kind of portray that masculinity, what did you find yourself doing to perform that? I wore two clashing patterns instead of three. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect disguise. (laughs) I said, no one's going to figure out what if I just move the zebra print with the leopard print and not add the tiger print. Uh, Oh yeah, (laughs) having grown up in Bristol myself, that would definitely camouflage you. (laughs) Well, you know, obviously I also didn't wear dresses. You know, I would change the items of my clothing feels like the most basic form but I kind of want to go away from that because I think it's the one that like is always spoken about like oh my god now you're wearing a dress you came out as trans and this red lipstick falls from the sky and you're putting it on in slow motion (laughs) I feel like actually more what I edited was my ability to be romantic with my friends and myself 
the ability to be wrong, mm. <laughs> the ability to like figure things out, the ability to like not know the answer to everything. I feel like when we talk about transition, everyone's always focused on the aesthetics of like how you physically change. Yeah. But actually like becoming and being around other people that weren't so rigid around their gender taught me that I didn't have to be rigid about all these other emotional things too. I find this really interesting, Travis, this idea that, uh, I mean, we don't know each other, but I'm a uh, straight man. I've sort of, I suppose I have signed up to, you know, be a man in the sense that we're talking about. There are lots of things about me that are probably not traditionally masculine or at least don't tick traditionally masculine cliche boxes. But nonetheless, I am that sort of, you know, basic guy in, in the sense that you're not and in some ways Michael's not. So I suppose what I'm asking is, and this is not a loaded question. I find it fascinating. In what way do you think I am, like a guy like me, is having to perform masculinity without even being aware of it? What sort of things am I being forced to do that aren't maybe my full self? It's not a fair question because we don't know each other. But in a way, that's why I'm asking. Like, What do you think are common things that men are made to do just by putting on that cloak of masculinity? Well, it's really hard because it's obviously huge generalizations. And I did this show called Burgers yeah. that was on tour up until... Lock, we were in Brazil when lockdown was called. Till we were forced to stop touring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. till we were forced to stop touring. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is not to plug no, my no. show, because that's long gone, buried under the thing. But also, we definitely can plug No, no, show. I mean, to see it in 2017 <laughs> when we're allowed again now. <laughs> yeah. The reason I'm plugging it is because in the show, every night I would cook a burger mm. on stage live with a white man from the audience that I hadn't met. And I was doing this to get over harassment, but also to get to know white men, because I don't have many in my life. And it was really interesting because I was constantly surprised by what I think my assumptions were going to be of them. Mm -hmm. I made huge assumptions. I was like, these men are going to come on and they're not going to know how to process their emotions. They're not going to be able to talk about sadness, all these kind of things. And some of that was really there. But actually what I found was the most common trait throughout the conversations of masculinity we had during burgers. So there's a point in the show where we cut onions together and I asked them when's the last time they cried and we start talking about malehood. Mm. And a lot of the men said that there were just desires that they had when they were younger that they didn't play out because yeah. they weren't allowed to do. And I don't think that stops when we suddenly finish childhood. I think that there are constantly moments in adulthood life where we have desires and then gender tells us to stop doing them. Yeah. Desire doesn't go away after all, does it? It's, it's always there. It's always there. And, you know, who knows what that desire is for? But I think that masculinity in men, what I see, and maybe why uh, one of the reasons why there's so much violence coming from them is that, you know, uh, it's easier to display anger than it is to display vulnerability. It's easier to destroy things than to lust after them. Um, so you think masculinity is as much about shutting down aspects of yourself as... Yeah. Uh, exploring aspects of yourself. Oh my God, absolutely. I think the way that masculinity is currently set up, obviously this is huge demonizations because it's always going to be if we're talking about these things. Of course. But like, I think that so much of the way masculinity is currently set up in like Western world is to limit and restrain. Mm. And it's to Rather like... Rather than to express. To express. I mean, you just have to go into the male clothing section to be like, damn, like how boring can one section get? <laughs> Was there any positive role models that were men that you have ever looked up to, either growing up or now or both, I suppose? I definitely think growing up it was harder because I grew up in a single parent family with my mum. And so it was like the women led the household with my mum's friends were women, all of like my aunties were all around me. All of my friends were gals. So like it was definitely like a longer time until I saw positive examples of masculinity 
But I would say now in my friendships, you know, I'm friends with like some, you know, really great men that would probably cringe at me saying they're really great men. Um, <laughs> you don't have to name them. Yeah. They'll be like, oh my God, you just call me a great man. Like, um, <laughs> That's the least masculine thing. We can't bear that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think about like my friends' dads. Maybe that's like some like unearthed daddy issues that I've got to work out. But I think about some of my friends' dads who like I found very kind, very warm. I find those questions always hard because I'm like, I think it's just the thing about you that I'm finding inspirational, not the manhood, you know? Like, right. it's not, it's so hard to be like, is this the masculinity particularly that I'm finding inspiring? Or actually, is it just you as a person, you know? Definitely, yeah. And um, you started talking about burgers, and in my head came in, you said onions and crying. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I did Bake Off last year, and when did I you? was on Bake Off, don't like to mention it too much. TV? Week seven, it got terrible after that. I. I cried. Wait, you were... Sorry, I'm really sorry. i got to pause this. I've never watched Bake Off. My mum is like a huge fan. Does that mean I'm talking to someone that's on Bake Off? Travis, I have to tell you, Michael was not just on Bake Off, but got quite far into the series. Oh, so my mum's going to... This will be finally something I've done that my mum will be proud of. Okay, great. Sorry, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. Carry is on. Is that Mother Alabanza? Mother of the House of Alabanza? That is Mother of the House of Alabanza. Oh. Is a Bake Off addict so she's gonna finally gag wait i shouldn't have swore earlier sorry mum <laughs> yeah this guy is one hell of a baker he, he got quite a long way into the series and then actually yeah this is where the conversation all ties up he had some problems with pastry and he cried a bit and became famous well yeah well basically oh. that's what happened yeah uh, mother alabanza will know what you can do travis after this is watch episodes one to seven of series 10 of bake off after seven it goes downhill there's no point in watching it's true actually um, <laughs> <laughs> the nation's favorite but what basically i i have mental health issues so i have anxiety and depression and when i start feeling stressed and I start getting overwhelmed I cry and yeah. um, that was a really big deal on Twitter right. and online not particularly for me because I cry most days I'll probably cry before the end of this podcast but it was um, <laughs> I normally manage to break you <laughs> <laughs> but it just it really shocked me seeing how many people were affected by my crying and felt the need to tell me that I was wrong and tell me that I was threatening them in some sort of way I think what you were bringing up kind of made me think about that kind of that trolling world and I know that you've encountered Counted that a bit and I wondered whether you could talk a bit about how that's affected you and I suppose where you think some of that trolling comes from I don't know like first I'm like we need more people just crying on national TV I genuinely believe it like obviously I'm not saying that like uh, it probably wasn't like a amazing experience but I also feel like sometimes when people show emotion or cry what you're then getting is everyone's projections on how they feel about crying onto mm. you mm, yeah. whereas like as you just said you're like oh I actually cry quite often that's my way of processing when I feel stressed or da 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 and suddenly you get everyone else's feelings that that they have about showing emotion put onto you and therefore for me trolling becomes about their projections rather than the fact you know like yeah when people are trolling me and saying you know like I'm a man in a dress I need to die like this is poisoning who and whose kids you know I, I often am like probably something is so deeply deeply unsettled with you that you feel the need to like come to someone that clearly is quite sure of themselves you know, I think it's not a coincidence, and this is a bit of a reach, but, like, I'll do it, is that, you know, most violences that happen to trans feminine people, gender non-conforming people, the most deadly ones happen straight after romantic intimacy or straight after sexual encounters. And I often think that that tells us something about the thin line of hate and desire and disgust, is that so often people project hate and disgust onto the very things they might have a resemblance to with themselves. Yeah, I don't think that is much of a reach. It's certainly something we've heard before, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that men are often scared of the things that they then try and put down. They're scared of the tears that they've all stifled. So then say, okay, this person crying on national TV is now rupturing that with myself. Mm. And when you're like, bish, I've made it to week seven. 
cry on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and when you were cutting those onions, Travis, do you cry when you cut an onion or do you have a technique? But what do we do to stop the tears? This is a bit of a spoiler for burgers, but seeing as the show's done, there's a purple knife and an orange knife on stage and the one I give to the man is slightly blunt. Ah. Oh, you sneaky <laughs> bastard. <laughs> for health and safety reasons, of course. <laughs> and so, uh, yes, there seem to be more tears coming from the male end in the show. Takes them longer to cut the onion and they cry more. Yes, 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 yes. So one of my friends puts a spoon in their mouth. Oh, to stop the crying. And that apparently oh. that stops you from crying. You should have done you... that on Bake Off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's like a Twitter all over again. <laughs> but some people cut onions underwater. People wear, like, ski goggles. What, under, what, what do you mean underwater? Like, put the... Underwater? Like, they put the onion and the knife oh, thought... under the water. Do you mean they all <laughs> I thought underwater? the same as Travis. I thought you meant they went down the swimming pool to do it. <laughs> Getting their Kellogg's bag whilst like just dimming the onion. Getting the scuba diving stuff and the snorkel. <laughs> Seems a bit excessive for a carbonara, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, almost worse just finding a different way to flavour them <laughs> the dish. Yeah. So have you always been comfortable expressing your emotions? Yeah, I was going to ask that. It's a very good question then, because it's to be both thought It's a cracking it. question. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I always am still now all the time, you know. Like I think that I dip in and out. I think I've always been an emotional person. And I've always been someone that like from a young age was called dramatic or over the top or larger than life for like feeling lots of things simultaneously and again you can make a case that when people are called dramatic or larger than life again it's sort of what you were talking about it's just a way of someone saying you're a very emotionally literate person here like it's sort of a term of envy i often think you know i'm like life's dramatic exactly i'm like i'm I'm sorry everything that's going on is quite a dramatic thing that's happening you know like how can you be larger than life when you're literally living life yeah, exactly. But I think my mum is like a very emotional person. And so I think that the house was like, I think about my brother a lot. You know, I grew up with my mum and my brother. And my brother is maybe not as uh, loud or like emotionally forthcoming, all of that. And I just think I'm like, how was growing up in the house like? Because me and my mum, you know, we'll be watching TV and we'll go through like 22 emotions in one hour, loudly, expressively. Like we'll go to the cinema and like, I'll have to make sure we're at the back because we're like screaming or we're just very forth with our emotions. You'd be good on Gogglebox, you two. I think about this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think about this so much. I was going to apply. It's like me and my mum would be so good because like she's also African-American and so she's got that like American accent or whatever. And uh, she loves reality shows. And she loves, like, competition, which explains her Bake Off hype. (laughs) (laughs) To to be honest, I'm distracted by this interview because I've not done something to make her proud for, like, a while. So this is finally it. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, any Bake Off fan, this guy is, this is huge for your mum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So um, I know you went to a summer camp in the States when you were 17, and you were talking about how you'd always been described as dramatic or different, and you'd felt that you were kind of stifling certain areas of expression, because I think it's true, I completely can relate to the fact that when you're growing up, I think expressions of romance or even just admiration or like, I guess, liking another person. But I know that summer camp changed things for you a bit. Yeah, so when I was 17, just before, like, trying to decide what I was going to do, if I was going to stay in Bristol or, like, move to London or whatever, you know, I'd had my first boyfriend by then. I was out. I was going to gay clubs from, like, 15, 16. Sorry, Mum. The baking Um, will make up for it, don't (laughs) worry. Yeah, yeah. And I was slowly starting to realise, like, you know, we only had one proper gay club in Bristol, which was OMG, and it was, like... I remember that. ...all white gay men, and I was, like, feeling quite isolated and I found this summer camp in Oakland, California called uh, Black Girl Dangerous and it was only for queer and trans people of colour and this was a time when I didn't even know that there was a thing like that you even could put those two words together and I like raised some money and we had to like crowdfund. It was all of this. It's very new for me. And I flew over and luckily, you know, I have family in Oakland and stuff, but it was still really scary. And I got lumped into like, a, I'll never forget, like a welcome circle where we all did names and pronouns. And I didn't know what a pronoun was. And someone said that their pronouns were them, they. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And I found it really hard, like really, really hard. And I was definitely the youngest, not just like emotionally, but like actual age-wise as well. And then I spent four weeks with all these people that I guess I'd never, I never knew that you could like exist in these things. Like I chatted to this person, I was like, I'm really sorry, I'm finding it really hard to get this pronoun thing right, can you explain it to me? This person was so patient and was like, well, like it's kind of just me deciding that gender doesn't really have an importance in my life. Like it's not really something that I look to myself first or other people. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you're so lucky to think that. And they were like, no, you can try it. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I was so stressed from a young age being like, am I a woman? Am I a man? All of my tenseness from a young age was like, I'm clearly failing at being a man. I keep on being punished, whether that's being harassed on the street, whether that's being like shouted at on the street, whether that's being like taken the piss out of or bullied. I'm clearly being punished for not being a man. And now you're being told that you didn't even have to play that game. Yeah, all. that was it. And I, I kind of thought in my head, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to leave home and then I guess I need to become a woman. But that didn't make me feel good either. Like nothing was making me feel good. And then I met these people in California, it sounds like I took like a fucking truffle drug. <laughs> <laughs> I took a truffle in California and realised that you could like not partake. Just open my mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I opened my mind. But I realised that you could opt out. Yeah. You know, because we never opted in. Yeah. You didn't opt into being a man. You know, you didn't opt into this. And so if it's working for you, fine. But like, if it's not working for you, then like, why are we obsessed with like continuing things that we didn't choose to do? You know? If you could talk to a, a younger person who is experiencing what you experienced and looking back with that knowledge that you have now about not having to opt in what would you say to a younger person who is kind of exploring exploring options outside of having to stick to a binary I would say that like making mistakes is really part of the process and to enjoy that 
I think I was so focused on like understanding, okay, so I'm not this, well now I need to understand myself really quick. And actually like, it's so fun being not obsessed with whether or not you know everything about yourself. And I would say that changing your mind is okay. And that the fear of whether or not you'll change your mind isn't worth more than just giving a go and leaving something that doesn't feel good. Just because you're afraid of like, what might happen on the other end, if something that you're in doesn't feel good, leave. If your gender's not feeling good, like, leave from it, you know? Like, if this man thing isn't working, if this woman thing isn't working, and it makes you, like, uncomfortable and it makes your body tense up, leave. I think it's so interesting that people are so obsessed with what transness does to feminism or all these things that, you know, that whole thing on the other end of that debate is that, to me, transness is about consent. I want consent over my body. I want consent to decide who I am and how it will be, you know? This thing of success and failure feels like quite a masculine obsession as well, though, would you say? I think you're sort of encouraged to think of, you're not just a man, you have to win at being a man. I think a lot of our male instincts are to do with that. So if you don't feel comfortable with something, you experience it maybe as a failure. I think it's interesting what you say about accept you'll make mistakes, accept you'll go off in wrong directions, because I don't think we're programmed to think like that. I think we're programmed not to accept our own fallibility quite a lot. Yeah, and I think some of the men I meet that are in my life are men that are, like, not afraid of failure. Oh, you'd like me. not afraid of being wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mess a lot up. (laughs) Basically, what I'm saying is the common thread between the men in my life are failures. No, I think they're very... (laughs) keep talking. I think they're very amazing, successful people in their own way, but, like, I think that they're not obsessed with, like, the facade of winning at their gender Mm. and being, you know? like I think that's really interesting. yeah. And yeah. I think what I also took from what you were saying was the power of change as well. And I think it's particularly important in terms of people who are exploring their gender and, and the all the options there are in the world, but also to men specifically is allow yourself to change and make mistakes and it's okay to be wrong. I mean, we can talk about cancel culture all day, but what cancel culture does is it, it stops the possibility of change. And I yeah. think that change is maybe the most important thing, especially if we're looking at the modern man in the world. They need to be able to accept change and go, oh, okay, that's how things are now and just move on. And I think that's a really fascinating really art- you're very articulate Travis and I don't I haven't drank a coffee yet this morning so I don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah but when you've got an articulate player of this caliber it does show you know words are never <laughs> I mean, far away our waffle kind of gets put down doesn't it <laughs> a game could spring up at any more and they're ready you can tell they're ready <laughs> this shows why you need to have a really high caliber of articulate colleagues doesn't it sometimes it gets in the way though because like you'll see that you know if you keep it just stripped back and simple you might win the game you know I think you need to go for references that like the other person can relate to so like if they watch drag race yes. you need to like go with like if they're thinking about a monsoon you need to go for season five winner do you know what i mean like you need to kind of play it like that yes there we go uh, one question we ask everybody and i think it links really nice into what you were just talking about is if you were to build a man from scratch and assuming this person uh, identifies as a man and all of that kind of stuff what three qualities would you want to put into that man um i don't want to sound like a wanker with my answer do you want like my actual answer or not I don't think we can say we don't want your actual answer. Yes. After everything you've said about men suppressing their emotions and stuff, it'd be disappointing if we said, no, please. Say things that we Say do. something nice. <laughs> well, no, like, the short... Well, it's also like how much time you have. Like, the short <laughs> answer is like, you know, I'd build one kind, emotional, da, da, da. but if I'm being real honest with you... Yeah. Oh my God, this will be a soundbite somewhere. Uh, Can't wait. But, Title of the podcast coming up, everyone. <laughs> I'd build one where like men... And masculinity, just like femininity and women, don't exist. You know, like, I actually yeah. am, like, not really interested in a future where men exist. That is a soundbite, yeah. Because, and that is not to say that I'm interested in a world where also women exist. I, like, 
I think that gender is like inherently harmful. You think that the, our entire categorizations need stripping away? Basically, they just need to be done. Like I think the first violence happens when you're born and you're decided that you're a man or a woman. Mm. Like that is the first act of violence done onto someone. And so all of these ways of like making a good man, building a good thing. I'm like, okay, it's like putting like a really nice plaster on an already open wound. But the wound is the gender binary in the first place. You know, I think that sometimes feminism stops at saying men are the issue and women are oppressed. And I think that is a material consequence of already the first site of oppression, which is the gender binary. You think the oppression exists in the very concept that we're living our lives by rather than specific applications of them? Yeah, the very first time that we decided that the myth of binary sexes, because it is a myth, there's so many examples of when sex is not binary. The first time we decided that because of the characteristics I'm either seeing on your external organs or in sometimes rectifying intersex people, forcibly rectifying your internal organs to now fit my idea, and now you have that life, that's the violence. Mm -hmm. And so in my imaginary world, on this podcast, we're allowed to imagine. Mm. Because you use the word imagine, that's why I'm giving this wanky answer. Well, you're absolutely allowed to. We love a wanky answer. It's our favorite kind of answer. Exactly. It makes us look slightly less wanky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to imagine a world where, like, we don't even have the concept of man to build. Mm. A very different Build-A-Bear workshop. Oh, I love it. I think it's fair. Yeah. In terms of humanity, then, if you were to build a human person yes. outside of this binary, yes. outside of all of this, so we've healed the wound, we've taken away the plaster, yes. what kind of person would you make? Three qualities. Empathy would be like first. If you build around empathy and build around the ability to not need to experience something to feel sadness for someone or feel joy for someone, there, straight from the beginning. I agree with that. I do think it's, empathy is the word that sums oh, up incredible. so many essential Jamie Windham has a chapter in their book about empathy, and I think that's a wonderful way of putting yeah. it. Um, so empathy's first. Empathy's first. And then the second is, I'm going to steal marks, but like I think the ability to change and for that to be like the fluidity of yourself, to be like really central, is so important. And I love what you were saying about like, you know, we need people to know and us all to understand that we're coming into things and we can learn and make mistakes and grow and be better. People seem to see personality as a very rigid thing a lot of the time. Oh my God. In actual fact, your personality is constantly in flux, isn't it? Because that's what it's like being human. Constantly changing. If I listen to interviews I did two weeks ago, I'm like, who the hell was that? <laughs> you know? like Just thinking about the future, Travis, listening to this, thinking, what a load of shit. Yeah, <laughs> what a wanker answer on that last one. And then third... I think the ability to tell a good joke, ah, if I'm nah. honest, I really think... Are you on Mark's wavelength? At last. Yeah, I, I really mean it. Like, I think that, like, the ability to be able to laugh and the ability to be able to find joy and find fun is so important in a person. And I would think that, like, you know, there's so many reasons why the world is separated and there's so many reasons why we find lineage in our groups and our identities. But in this imaginary we're working from where the binary doesn't exist in the same way... I think the human quality of making people laugh will be very high up on the list. I do agree with that. If you don't have that, then your brain is so one track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without the ability to see the absurdity in things, you're you're living a very specific, boring, not just boring, but emotionally cold version of life. Cold, yeah. cold. Imagine never having a laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I aim to have about 10 before midday, hopefully. <laughs> one thing I was going to ask Charles, before you go is, I often think about, I've learned a lot from doing these, this podcast and I've thought a lot about how society might be better ordered and you know, how, how we can live better and accommodate people better, basically. I suppose that's the phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you feel hopeful for a future where we do manage to do some of these things, like where we do break down 
some of the straight jackets of gender or do you think that like, you know in 20 years time it's a very difficult question but do you reckon we are going in that direction broadly speaking i hope so i mean like you know i'm still young i'm only 25 but even in like my eight years of being about feeling like open in the world mm. i've seen such a ginormous change in like other people that look a bit like me or sound a bit like me or saying a bit like me being able to speak and talk and be supported but i would say that like Visibility can fool us to think that things are changing. Yeah. And actually, like, I haven't seen a change on the streets. Mm. You know, like, ultimately, it's still a daily task to walk around gender non-conforming in this world and not be attacked. And so I think the change will come when we start seeing more protection physically. Like, I'm kind of, you know, everyone's like, what do we want? And then they'll be like, you know, it's great we're getting pronoun badges, or it's great we're getting this magazine cover, it's great we're getting this. I'm like, I want a world where when someone shouts someone on the street, the whole other street stops, and like, this isn't okay. Yeah, that's no more than badges is. and memes and stuff. That like, Yeah, none of that. Actual structural change. And I don't think I've seen that shift whilst the world has been, like, visibly shifting. I don't think I've seen or noticed a change in the street. That's a big question, really. Yeah. And so I'm not sure. I hope so. I think it's really, you need hope to like, otherwise, like, what are we continuing to do? We have to hope that like, things are going to change. Mm. Everything's constantly evolving, you know? Yeah. So what about you? Do you think it will? I think, and I'm a lot older than you, but if I look back to the time when I was, I hate saying when I was your age, because it does make you feel geriatric, but like, I, I was first going to the fringe at about your age I suppose that's just a good marker for me I would certainly say in those 15 years there's been it's exactly what you said actually Travis I feel like I've seen enormous superficial differences in conversation in terminology like the fact I'm here having this conversation people like me have been forced to re-see things in a way which would have been hard to believe 15 years Uh ago but at the same time as you also said I don't know if I've actually seen a a fundamental shift in attitudes i think the conversations there that didn't used to be there but i don't know if it feels as if there's still a fight to be won over the next sort of 15 years definitely but my broader answer would be yeah i do think things are changing because as you say yeah society continually evolves and the people that resist that make a lot of noise but they can't actually stop it from happening i do tend to believe that exactly. and i agree with what you said about hope i mean where are we without it exactly do you know what i mean we that's have also to, very true we have to hope for change we have to push for change and if we can't see it we need to make it and i think that that is so important that we kind of come together as a a bit of a live aid moment but like come together (laughs) as a world and like actually start hoping for genuine actual we've all got these microphones we could record a single while we're here that'd be lovely (laughs) (laughs) this is going to be an awkward eggy bit now travis because you've been really articulate that felt like a really good ending it was very nice but now we're still talking i love it because we always do this thing where when they said you've got to have hope probably we're just like travis alabama thank you very much that's good (laughs) we'll try that now um can you say something really articulate about hope and then we'll say thank you Travis and then, we'll and then that'll be the end shut you down and we'll end the zoom call just like that yeah. <laughs> wow right you ready three two one inspiration this is <laughs> now you're seeing my weakness in articulate clearly <laughs> yeah but it's not normally played quite like this it's not on your teammate you're just sat there silently going I'm so in the moment. I was so in the moment with you both. I don't remember. Let's get Travis just to say, I have hope, and I'll immediately cut them off. That's a really good idea. How does that sound to you, Travis? Sound okay? Yeah, hold on. I'm just waiting for the auto cue to come up on Zoom. Okay, here we go. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, ready? I have hope. (laughs) Well, Travis Alabanza, this has been absolutely great. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Travis has a new show out and they've messaged me to say it is reopening Bish Theatre. No, it's Bush Theatre. Don't worry, Travis. 
The show is called Overflow, which is the story of Rosie, a trans woman trapped in a flooding toilet who recounts her life and memories of all the toilets she's been in. I don't think I can remember a toilet that wasn't my own for at least the last nine months. Yeah, this sounds like it's set in a fantasy world where we're allowed to visit buildings with toilets in. But there you go. I guess that's what we have escapism for, isn't it? It's open until January the 16th, which was extended due to the demand. So please get your tickets. I think we're going to go, actually. So you might see us there. We definitely. We'll see you at the Bish Theatre. <laughs> Next week, we have Olympic diver Tom Daly. Let's be real. I don't particularly like sports. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on social media at Mankind Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Well, you can send us an email, mankindpodcast at gmail.com. Why not do that? We will read it as well. Sounding quite confused there, Mark. Yeah, I was just thinking about how nice it would be to get an email from a podcast listener. But it could happen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.